0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. We are previewing the wild card weekend, the super wild card weekend, as the NFL season postseason. Gets kicked off. John McKechnie, Mario Puig here. We're going to get into best ball strategy for for playoff pools and break down every single game on this slate. Let's get into it. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Friday, the thirteenth, January thirteenth. John McCackney, Mario Puig, hanging out with you, getting you ready for Super Wild Card Weekend. Mario, how are you doing? How did your season finish up? Your regular season, and uh, you know, what are you thinking as far as this weekend? Your general thoughts?
2: Uh, um, pretty bad, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't have any thoughts about this weekend either. It's uh, three games that are good, I guess uh I don't know I'm sorry I don't care actually uh,
1: yeah I I personally um you know I, I I was traveling to LA on Sunday so I mean like I, I was able to keep up with the NFL action but I, I the the matchups and everything didn't really sink in with me until like Wednesday evening so I've been I've been you know in the mi- in the take minds you know getting everything lined up uh for for this podcast and, and the uh Rotowire sports betting podcast and everything but yeah, it took me a minute to uh, to really get excited for this one, even though, you know, technically uh, my favorite team is in the playoffs. Not feeling so great about it. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm just kind of basking in, uh, in my alma mater and uh, their ability to uh, hang 65 points in the national championship game. Uh, that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, that sounded fun. Uh, I can, can understand how that could also maybe keep your attention – through Sunday a little bit, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I guess later in the playoffs should be entertaining. It's just uh, at this point, like you said, it kind of feels like it's just um, I don't know. It's like the, the the most entertaining one is probably like Jacksonville Chargers or something like that. Uh, I guess some people care about Dallas, Tampa Bay, but it's like it's not no one. No one on the NFC side uh, is going anywhere. And uh, San Francisco might, but they don't even have an interesting game. So it's like the most interesting games in the slate are like Jacksonville Chargers and Vikings, Giants, things that just we know are going nowhere for the playoffs uh, toward the end. So it just kind of feels like it's a half half playoffs, half preseason kind of slate or something.
1: Right. It feels like three of these outcomes are pretty much predetermined. Um, you know, we we have two games with nine and a half point spreads. That, that would be the Niners being favored and the Bengals favored by that much. And then the Bills, 13 and a half point favorites against the Dolphins. It's too bad because, you know, the the game that we saw in December between the Dolphins and the Bills, when the when the Dolphins were fully healthy, was, you know, I, I thought one of the better uh, regular season games of the season. And that those two just in general. Matchups were, were both fantastic during the regular season. But when you get Skylar Thompson in there, it's just not not going to go super well, super smoothly for, for the for the Finns there. So uh, but we are going to run through each of those games uh, regardless, uh, as we always do. And before that, however, uh, let's get into some playoff best ball strategy. So uh, where where did you uh draft and, and uh you know what what were kind of like you, your main focuses strategies for each of those sites and, and you know what what kind of teams team builds did did you try to uh target uh as you as you went through so
2: i actually posted on the site um
1: rankings
2: for underdog best ball and uh particularly their tournament system i don't know if they're they're, they're a non-tournament formats score any differently than the the tournament one, I don't, I, I don't know the full breadth of uh, formats that they offer, but there's a bunch. And uh, the headliners, though, are these, you know, tournament kind of pools that they have at the, at, I don't know, there's one like the Mitten, something like They got the the variation depending on the buy-in count, so you got like a $5, a $25, and maybe even one more expensive than that. Uh, and if I'm reading those rules right, uh, apparently you got to advance each round rather than like finish a point total after four weeks and just ha- clicking descend, you know, on the, on the league. Apparently it's like with the tournament formats, you need some semblance of balance because you need to put up the highest point total in the wildcard round, the divisional round, the, uh, or, you know, uh, advancing score, I should say, cause it's not like the highest score, but like high enough to, to advance to the next round of, of the, the, the game structure. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I can imagine some formats where, uh, players like the chargers players aren't that necessarily useful because they might only play two games. And if you're doing a a format that scores over the the whole length of the playoffs to determine the winner, then you really want to chase like games played specifically. Whereas I think with uh, a format where you have to put up a high total in each round that uh, maybe makes it worth more so chasing just the points in general. Like if I think, if I think like Austin Eckler is going to put up sixty fantasy points in these first two games, which he easily could if they advanced past the the Jaguars, that is, then uh, I could imagine a lot of people that otherwise faded him wished they had maybe picked him, uh, even if they weren't going for. You shouldn't do a Chargers stack, but you know, and basically finding enough in that first week especially so that you can uh, even get you know the rewards of a an otherwise you know coveted asset like any of the you know biggest name Chiefs players or. Eagles I guess too
1: right so yeah that's an interesting wrinkle where, where you have to to balance that out and, and like you mentioned when you have you know the the Chiefs and, and the Eagles both on bye this weekend both kind of expected to at least make the championship round you know it, it's tough to balance that versus you know you got to get there first you got to you got to get the get all the way you know to the divisional round in order to you know have those the fruits of your labor uh, payoff, essentially. So you you got to get in on some of these teams that, that might be one and done. Did, did you feel like that kind of informed uh, the way that the ADP shook out? And, and were there any team stacks that, that are, I suppose you don't, you're not really stacking those well, one used, and done because
2: um, you, you, you got to get those, you got to um, get Super Bowl points. So, or, you know, to, to, to reach the highest prize. Anyway, you have to get Super Bowl points and to do that you kind of just at some point with what you have to work with from your draft slot you have to kind of commit to a theory of at least one team getting there so like I'm not going to say you need to get both teams but like if you know if the Eagles make it and you have you're probably not going to be able to get Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown you might be able to get Hurts and Devontae that's also kind of stretching it but uh you know if you have Hurts and uh somehow a couple other Eagles to do, you know, Goddard and Miles Sanders or something. And if, if they all three have big games, it's like, maybe that would be enough. Even if all of your other players are are eliminated by that point, but you need to get, I don't know. Sorry. There's probably some kind of like somebody could probably like run the numbers and, and tell you like the number of kind of points you realistically need in that round to contend in that round. I'm not sure what the number would be, but, um, I think if you if you get like three players that that can actually contribute for and ideally a quarterback being one of them uh on one Super Bowl team then that sounds I don't know that seems to me like that should be you know a, a pretty decent ticket even if it's not like a clinching one or anything um but yeah so you you can't um you can't just like you can't corner yourself into the to the likelihood of only having at most like one or two players in the Super Bowl is the reason that I mentioned the stacking thing so uh, one thing I've, I've, I've just kind of done a very, you know, lowbrow attempt at that by just kind of getting chiefs. I feel like you can get guys like Michael Hardman, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, uh, even Pacheco kind of goes pretty late. And, um, if you're picking those guys, you're just kind of, for that team, you're subscribing to the theory of, well, the chiefs are going to make the super bowl. And if they do, then even though players like, you know, Hardman and Valdez, Scantling, uh, what was the other one? Uh. Oh, Tony, Tony, Tony. So, yeah, K- C- Kadary, Sony. like those guys, they go kind of late because they're unreliable. But if you get three games out of them, including the Super Bowl, and if Mahomes goes nuts in the Super Bowl, it's like that's how that could maybe be enough for the Super Bowl, even if you you're not going to get Mahomes and Kelsey, unfortunately. Or I, I, right. unless you do like an auction format or something, I can't imagine that that's possible. So, um, yeah, you need in any case, it's if, if for the for the underdog type thing some kind of balance, you know, just budgeting like on a weekly kind of basis is what you got to try to do, I think. And then um, with your best option for your slots, for the remaining players available, commit to like some team, you know, even even if it's like a long shot, I mean, like, you know, if, if uh, there have been seasons with wild, a wild card round, a wild card team had, uh, you know, won the Super Bowl. So if you were doing playoff best ball that year, then, you know, the... I don't know, was it the Eli Manning Giants or something when they beat the Patriots? Might have been a wild card team. It's like they would have been pretty low in the ADP because people wouldn't have been projecting them to make the Super Bowl. But if someone had stacked them anyway, it would have been, you know, like uh, I guess they would have needed a couple of other things to fall right. But like that would have been a way to 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 make a high point total in the Super Bowl in a best ball format, even though it wasn't, you know, made of juggernauts or who were considered juggernauts at the time anyway.
1: Right, exactly, because you just you you know keep accumulating those points week after week, and and you know especially in, in a tournament type of thing, you know you you get a lot of leverage over the field if if you you know take one of those long shots, um, and it ultimately pays off. On DraftKings, I thought it was interesting, so I did a DraftKings one last night, and I did an underdog earlier, an underdog much. Shallower, that much less of a need to dumpster dive that than on DraftKings. DraftKings yeah, ten
2: rounds and six teams on Underdog, I believe.
1: Correct, correct. Whereas um, in, in uh, DraftKings, I think it was like a twenty man roster. So you, you, you oh, know, wow. my last pick, my last pick was Cavante Turpin, for example, <laughs> uh, it, in that one. I'm like, it's, all right, oh, get me a punt return touchdown, maybe. Um, you know, you. I think uh, Kyle Juszczyk, uh is even on my team in that one. So I mean, it, it, you get pretty pretty deep in the weeds on, on that one. But my strategy for the, for the DraftKings or the way the board fell, and I just kind of ended up chasing that. The approach was: I'm of the belief that the Bengals can win the Super Bowl, yeah, or or at least make it. Um, I just I'm I would I'm terrified of Joe Burrow. Um, I, I think that that guy has ice water in his veins. Uh, maybe as much as anyone in the league, the guy's just ridiculous, um, clutch, and extremely talented. I think that he can he can take them there. I think that you know people are mentioning the offensive line injury issues here late in the season, getting into the playoffs, and you know are are they back to square one as to where they were a year ago? But I don't know. I, I think that Burrow now has a, a season of playoff experience under his belt. They kind of. Uh, absorbed the the Super Bowl hangover, as it were, and that they look more dangerous right now than they did going into the postseason uh, last year. So, I mean, I I tried to get as much of them as I could. I, I got Burrow, Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and uh, P. Ryan on that roster. Um, got a couple of, couple of giants here and there. I have Zay Jones on both of my teams, uh, Trevor Lawrence on, on both of my teams, um, oh,
2: I wanted to mention, John. Uh, so yeah, one one player who's a really tough one for me is ETN because like, I don't expect the Jaguars to win that game. But especially for the underdog thing where it's like if you got to get points in the wild card round, it's like ETN could have, have like 35 points in that game because the Chargers run defense is just completely absent. And they could still lose, you know, kind of like comfortably to the Chargers. And it's like, uh, He doesn't. The problem is, it's like he doesn't go quite cheap. You know, you're not going to get him like in the last round in an underdog thing. Um, But it's like, what what is the value of a like a one off like thirty plus point kind of running back? And it's like, I could imagine it uh, mattering a lot or not at all. I just have no idea how to tell which way it would go. But yeah, that's that's a tough one to leave on the board because it's like you you'll be looking you'll be choosing between like him and like Elijah Mitchell or something, and it's so tempting to go for like that. That really the one that looks so easy for one week, even if it's only one week. But it it's probably better to take Elijah Mitchell because he could give you like, I don't know, like four games and and three of them could have double digit points or something. I don't know.
1: Yep, I, I have I have Mitchell on my on my underdog team. Uh, got him at at pick thirty four. So I actually reached a little bit for him. Um, I, I thought among the other potential one off type of guys, I thought Saquon uh, w- was interesting and uh i also felt like jk dobbins uh just because of how cheap he is I, I think everyone knows that the ravens will be done after this weekend but dobbins has looked awesome since returning
2: yeah dobbins is great i'm still totally off the ravens i i think that's i think the ravens are so bad and project so drearily for their game that it actually is making me less enthusiastic about the bengal's too like the worst case scenario for the bengal's is they beat the ravens like Thirty to seven, and they do it without any of Chase or Higgins or Burrow really going off. Like P. Ryan has two touchdowns, defensive touchdowns, something like that. And then they play the uh, they would play the Bills, wouldn't they? Or am I mixing that up? They would, yeah, they would play the Bills. Correct, the, yeah. the Chiefs would get the lower seed, uh, so it's like Buffalo's obviously quite intimidating. They could still lose. I mean, uh, I I think you're totally right that the Bengals are capable of beating pretty much any team. And that includes the bills and uh, certainly the bills that the, their offense is not exactly a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like, it seemed a little tip uh, topsy-turvy to me. Uh, so I'm definitely not just siding with the bills, but also out of, you know, due respect for the bills, I, my paranoid uh, unfolding of events for the Bengals players, like Jamar chase, especially who, who goes, I think in the top, like seven picks on underdog something like that cl- really close to burrow to, for understandable enough reasons, but what if, what if, what if uh, Chase plays like 35 snaps against the Ravens because the Ravens are complete no-shows and then against the Bills, he gets you like, you know, whatever he has, let's just say he has a perfectly good game against the Bills, but they still lose. And it's like, man, you get basically in in effect like one game out of Jamar Chase and, you know, all that potential squandered uh, in the process just because of, if if it, if it goes that way, it would be because, you know, the Bills are basically a buzzsaw uh, round two matchup. But um, yeah, these, these things can go either way, uh, except for the, the, except for the Ravens game, they can't win uh, under any scenario. (laughs) So they're, they're going to lose. But yeah, Bengals, Chiefs, Bills, teams like that. uh, And on the NFC side too, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to fade the Eagles. I I really like the Eagles, but I think they're in a kind of dangerous spot where they could be a one and done kind of thing. And, Uh, or at least like it wouldn't be unforgivable to me if they lost their first game. So they go for the highest price in the NFC, but to me don't have a likelihood of playing as many games
1: as the 49ers, let alone more. Exactly. So I'm definitely a lot more leveraged on the Niners because they're playing this weekend. I, I, I kind of feel like they, their experience and everything, not not that the Eagles didn't make the postseason last year, but that they got kind of smoked by by the Buccaneers, or maybe even not. Kinda, uh, you don't really need to qualify that one. That was that was pretty pretty much a layup there for for the Bucks. I don't think that directly applies for this year, but you know, I, I I'm with you where I get a cent. I'm a little bit tentative on saying that the Eagles are going to make it all the way uh, to to Arizona for the Super Bowl. Um, I think we we've kind of covered our bases as far as. Uh, the the underdog or the uh, best ball strategy uh for this for the postseason is concerned. So why don't we go ahead and, and jump into these games? Uh we'll kick things off. Saturday afternoon, we have the uh, Seahawks going to San Francisco. Uh the Niners are nine and a half point favorites. The over-under in this one, uh 42. Two very different or two games uh with very Different, you know, things going on. Uh, you had Trey Lance, I believe, start start the game against the Seahawks uh, in like week two, something like that, and then Brock Purdy uh, later on in the season on that Thursday night game up in Seattle. Um, but either way, you know, the results were, were pretty resounding in both of those games. I, I think uh, ga- games in which a team has swept the regular season matchup are like twenty and fourteen uh, a- against them if they if they rematch in the Super or in the playoffs. So it's definitely more often than not that, that uh, beating a three team three times uh, can happen under those setups. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that the the Niners kind of roll here, but where are you with this one?
2: Uh, Definitely picking the 49ers. I kind of go back and forth in my head as to how competitive the game might be, because I feel like the Seahawks, uh, I don't know what, I'd, like, it doesn't really make sense to me either how they've been this good, but as long as they get production from Geno Smith that he's gotten all year, uh even when, you know, you factor in the lowered expectations against the defense, this good, it's like just having a quarterback as good as Geno and having a, a like a playoff tested, uh I know they're not so, so veteran in their personnel at this point, but like the coaches certainly are. And they got a few guys who know a little bit about playing in, in the playoffs, on the team. So I would be surprised if the Seahawks were the kind of team that have like a undignified showing, even if they lose, like, I I think they'll kind of make the 49ers actually win it, not just kind of, you know, hand it over. So I, uh, the, the problem is, of course, particularly the Seahawks offense, it's hard to see what they get going against a defense this good. And, uh, Kenneth Walker, he's good, but, uh, he could easily go like 25 car- or you know, more likely I guess 20 or 18 carries for something like 45, 50 yards in this game. And if that happens, it's all on Geno Smith. And I think they, uh, the 49ers could get Metcalf matched up a lot with Trevarius Ward, which is not great for Metcalf because Ward's one of the bigger, uh, one of the taller and uh, vertically more explosive corners in the league. He's been a really good fit in the make a Ryan scheme this year. So uh, that could make, that could be cause for giving DK Metcalf a lower projection than normal. And uh, that's just a lot of slack falling on, I guess, uh, Tyler Lockett and like the tight ends. So I, I, it would have to be a very low scoring game. I feel like for the Seahawks to have a shot and I don't, their defense is the, is uh, as much as I was just saying, it's, it's concerning for the Seahawks offense against the San Francisco def, San Francisco defense uh, all year. The Seahawks defense has just kind of, had conventionally bad metrics and it's hard to see how I mean maybe something gets better maybe they turn some kind of corner I don't know but it, it seems unlikely and uh, the 49ers having fewer than something like 24 points just doesn't seem likely and it's it's also difficult to imagine the Seahawks getting even that
1: high right so but it's the the situation or the scenario I'm sorry in in which the the Seahawks get, get this done. I, I think there's just such like a narrow probability of, of that actually unfolding like or something. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe Pete gets in his bag for this one, but I don't know this one being in San Francisco. Uh, it's, it's not quite like the, the beast quake game from like, you know, 11, 12 years ago or whatever. Um, I, I just feel like the, this is like the, the start of, of a pretty serious run here uh, for, for the 49ers uh, as we get, uh, further into the postseason.
2: To dovetail a little backtrack, even a little bit to the best buff stuff, uh, Christian McC- after Josh Allen, who I think is the clear one Oh one, because he's, you know, he could be the highest scoring player in all of the weeks as, as a player without a buy, uh, Christian McCaffrey could be that in the NFC. He could be, uh, the number one player. And it's why I, I believe he's the second pick in underdogs, ADP, even ahead of Mahomes because you get that first week and it's like if, if the 49ers advance not only would uh, not only is it easy enough for me anyway to imagine that uh, but if they do it's it's almost inconceivable that McCaffrey wouldn't have some of the biggest numbers in each round and uh maybe even like the the biggest numbers so uh he's he's a really good one to get uh, in best ball I think because it for me it's like Josh Allen one McCaffrey two and probably like I just got to put Mahomes three. Or there's a case for Mahomes three for me. Diggs is like four or something like that because I'm trying to get those stars who might play every week. And McCaffrey, of course, is that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm feeling a little anxious about my my lack of uh, McCaffrey. So I might have to dip back in. Grab, I like grab all one three more. of those
2: running backs for the price too. Even Jordan Mason in the last round, it's like he could. It's not hard to imagine him getting like eight carries in a game because Elijah Mitchell had you know calf cramps for a couple drives or something.
1: Yeah, no, I I do have at least one uh, Jordan Mason share um, as we get this rolling. Um, Before we get on over to our next game, we do have a message from our friends over at Blue Wire.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, let's get over to the Saturday night game. We got the Chargers road favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars who, who just won the AFC South last weekend. Uh, your thoughts on, on the Chargers being favored here by two and a half. Yeah, I would take them to cover that pretty safely. And, um, I'm probably
2: a bigger, like Jaguars players fan and more of a critic of Brandon Staley's and Joe Lombardi's than most people, uh, I, I just think that, uh, for whatever is fault and I, I certainly have a bit of a list here, uh, Brandon Staley is a pretty smart defensive schemer, and it drives me crazy that he does it, but he is basically conceding the rushing yardage that the Chargers give up. I'm sure he would like to stop the run a little bit better. He's just not willing to do anything to make it actually happen. So to me, it's like, what's the difference? He, just, he doesn't care about defending the run, uh, which it, it drives me insane. But there are times where he... Uh I guess to be fair to him, there are some games where he will change it up a little bit. Like I guess that last 49ers game, especially it's like they don't contain Christian McCaffrey that way with their usual game plan. So Staley showed the ability to change it. If he is smart enough to look at this Jaguars offense and see ETN as the almost singular threat to his defense, they can probably come up with like they did against the 49ers with McCaffrey. They can probably come up with something to contain ETN. And if you contain ETN, I, I think the Jaguars are just like a non-starter in this matchup because the Jaguars' defense pretty much sucks. And um, I, I think Herbert spreading them out, you know, going a lot of three, four wide, testing that cornerback depth, it's not really going to matter that much that the Chargers' offense is impotent even in theory because it's like Herbert will just eat up openings all day and just, I think, get them downfield. And, and uh, Eckler could have a really huge game uh, without even really trying that much. So uh, it's just really easy for me to imagine the Chargers moving the ball, getting points. Uh, whereas with the Jaguars, that pass defense now with Joey Bosa coming back, uh, it's tough. And, and the, that so when I was talking about the Staley's indifference to stopping the run, a lot of that is he, he does all this off coverage stuff where he's just got the corner sitting like seven, eight yards downfield. And uh, you look at the box and it's like, this is like, this is like a four and a half, five man box or something. Uh, Cause he's just padding against the pass so much. Um, but uh I don't think he needs to do that to, to, to contain Trevor Lawrence when uh, Zay Jones is overexposed as a wide receiver, too. Marvin Jones would be overexposed playing any amount of snaps. So it's 10 on 11, and the Chargers are kind of sitting back against uh, that pass defense further. So I, I, I don't see how Lawrence really gets going well in this one. All the slack falls to ETN in my mind, and I love ETN, and if the Chargers don't take him seriously, he will torch them. Like, he could go... If, if you're not careful with ETN with a run defense like this, he could go over like 200 yards on you. So I expect them to be careful. Therefore, I I don't think he's going to just totally ignore the ETN threat. And as long as he takes care of that, I don't, I don't think this is all that
1: close, honestly. Dang. Okay. That, that's a, that's different than I was expecting. Um, Because we, we do like to bag on, on Staley, but it's good to, you know, give he's him credit He's got a where, much where more due.
2: veteran and polished roster too. And it's like, uh, you know, next year uh, with Calvin Ridley,
1: very different question. Sure, no, absolutely, um, and you know Lawrence missed some throws last weekend, but I don't see that. I, I see that as an aberration, not not really a sign of things to come. Even even with this being his, his first postseason game, uh, it's also Herbert's, and uh, I, I don't know if you if you saw, but it, it came across as of today, Friday. Uh, that Mike Williams is not going to be playing.
2: Oh, right. Sorry, that was... I, I meant to go a little bit into the list of things that I'm mad at Staley about, and that's definitely one of them. Uh, Last his, week? His, his situational, just common sense, does it's just not there, you know? Like, he, he'll just... he he I don't know if it's because he's so ideologically bound to that uh, just analytics brain thing of, like, if you see a number on a sheet and someone says it's uh, data or whatever, you have to listen to it, you know? I don't know if it, he, like, lets he probably has better common sense than he than he acts out that he like he suspends his better judgment cuz he he hears some stupid snake oil pitch about why uh actually it's 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 cool to do stupid things and here's why um he'll he'll just like swallow he'll he'll believe anything he reads on vox.com or whatever you know so <laughs> like the corollary of that is uh he he will subscribe to anything that like the right authority tells him to believe and it, i think it's like he should be smarter i think i don't know if he he could get better as a, i mean uh, Zach taylor made a big you know step forward this year as a coach like sometimes coaches do just get better and start making better decisions staley could be that but yeah he's he's got to he's got to just kind of i can't really say what he's got to do cuz i he's got to get his head out of his you know what john
1: that's right that's right that i i feel the same way um but no that the, there is room for him to to get it right but it, it, i feel like that, that'd be more of like an off-season change. So that, that's definitely a potential issue for, for this game. But I, I'm still on the Jags to to, to cover and, and potentially win, win this one. Clear. Uh,
2: I might be uh, a pre-tilting or something, or a reverse jinx tilting or
1: something. You know, we, we got to get our guy Whalen a, uh, a playoff win here. Uh, I'd love to see it. Uh, the, the most notable Jags fan uh, on the internet, arguably, Um, But Uh, Irish Jack. All right. Yeah. I didn't mean to to, you know, bury (laughs) bury that as well. Irish Jack, obviously, um, you know, a big stronghold uh, in the Jags community on the Internet. But, um, yeah, I mean, talent to talent. The Chargers have the better roster. It's but it's in Jacksonville.
2: Pass rush too, man with with Bosa and Mac at the same time. It's the defense is going to look different than it has all regular season
1: is the other thing. Mm -mm. that that is a problem and and I potentially you know maybe gave the Jags defense a little bit too too much credit for how they played last weekend against Josh Dobbs
2: Josh Dobbs uh inexplicably like uh, they they didn't even run with him man I can't believe that stuff Vrabel Vrabel let me down uh not that I wanted the Titans to win but I I wanted to see the wishbone that was the time that
1: was the chance it was they did cover though so that was good it's, uh,
2: it's still. Uh, I don't think we're gonna miss uh, Todd Downing in te- uh, Tennessee. Like, see, it's almost anything else by now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's go ahead, and hop over to Sunday. Um, so I, I guess we're we're a little bit split on, on the uh, Chargers-Jags outcome, but can see it either way. That's again one of the one of the closer tied for the closest uh, spread on the slate this weekend. This next one, the largest. Bills, Dolphins, Bills, 13 and a half point favorites. Expectation, of course, being that Skylar Thompson gets the start. And I was talking uh, with with Nick on on the, on the sports betting podcast. And it it was basically, we we came to the conclusion that if the Dolphins are going to do anything here, they, they need to just, they need to lean into whatever strength Skylar Thompson may or may not have. And to me, just let him like you know like you were just saying about Dobbs. I think Skylar Thompson needs to run because early in his K State career, he was pretty effective. He had a season with eleven rushing touchdowns while he was at K State, and and you know well over uh, three four hundred yards pretty routinely early on. Got a little bit dinged up later on in his K State career, but he has that in his bag, I, I believe, um, and that that's really the the only way. I don't think that the Dolphins are going to be able to to keep a lid on this Bills offense. And, and, you know, if, if Thompson has a bunch of three and outs, this one's a wrap pretty much right off the bat, but I'm just trying to see a game or a way in which this game could be even a little bit interesting.
2: Yeah. uh, It's hard for me to imagine it, but I I think uh, with that said, it's still clear how it would have to happen for the dolphins. It's just kind of impossible sounding, Uh, but basically they need to uh, shorten the game. They need to, they probably want to keep the bills under something like 55 snaps and keep themselves under something like 50 by just running out the play clock pretty much every time they get the ball, uh, or at least after they they get favorable field positioning or they get uh, a lead. But to do that, to do either of those second things, they need to make Josh Allen turn over the ball at least two times. And, even if they shorten the game, if they, if if Josh Allen turns it over two times and they let the bills run 65, 70 plays, they still lose. They still give them enough time for the bills to get another lead. So the dolphins can't keep a lead. They need to get one by miraculous means, and then make the game anomalously short. Basically. That's the only way they can do this. So um, if they have to make Thompson throw the ball 25 times, it's over. Like they have to get it. They have to keep him exposed as little as possible and they need, you know, Xavier Howard, if he has another interception in him, like he, he, they need two of them for him in this game. And then they need to sit on the ball and and make uh, leave just enough time that Josh Allen can't easily just, you know, over over a long sample correction, catch back up with them.
1: Yeah. And Allen, you know, he, he's had turnover issues this season yes. you know, throughout he's, his career. He, but... he will
2: always be that, too. He's been a turnover guy. So it's it's like the Dolphins do have that tiny, tiny chance. And it's, it's kind of real, but also Skylar Thompson.
1: But also Skylar Thompson, of course. But when it comes to Allen, uh, six touchdowns and no picks against Miami. So maybe that pick is coming.
2: It could be. I'll definitely take the the, the Bills to roll pretty easily because I, I think the Dolphins' secondary personnel is just rough. Like, they can't do anything about Diggs, uh, in particular um, – the, the the reason I say uh, it's so bad what Diggs presents to them is that if they, if they try to do anything to stop him, it just kind of lets loose a flood in another part of the defense. So they, they'd have to roll so much coverage over to Diggs, and they probably will try anyway. But then on the other side, you're going to have Gabe Davis lined up against uh, five foot nine 180, Keon Crossan, who's supposed to basically be a special teams player, and you might not have a safety over there if they're all rolling toward Diggs. So uh, I feel like Allen even if he turns it over, he's probably going to get the big plays to make up for it in this one. And you worry about the turnovers more
1: against, you know, the the teams ahead, you know, the Bengals especially. Sure. No, it, exactly. Yeah. I was just trying to do the Dolphins a bit of a service here, but, um, you know, realistically
2: I like Mike. I like Mike yeah, absolutely. I kind of like if I had to pick somebody to, to, to maybe make the upset happen, it, he'd be on the short list. But yeah, so it's uh I I I do want to say also like that stuff from the Miami guy uh, Armando Salguero saying like they might fire McDaniel if he didn't win that game last week like that was ridiculous Maybe McDaniel after Dable or
1: right around Dable is
2: coach of the year and it's obvious. Yeah, no, he, Tomlin, I don't know, he's like he's that. very <laughs>
1: promising. Um, I I like that guy. He's 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 kind of a breath of fresh air compared to most NFL coaches. He you know says what's on his mind. He's different kind of cat, but um yeah, I, I feel a little bit robbed that the dolphins are limping into the playoffs the way that they, oh, are yeah, because, absolutely. because I feel like that they could have absolutely uh, given the bills a, a real game. uh, You know, if, if we had a fully healthy, healthy Tua, but that just is not in the cards, unfortunately. So uh, give me the bills to, uh, to win this one uh, comfortably and, and cover um, as well. Um Let's go. Giants Vikings. This one, this one has real split action. I, I think that you know we're, we're looking at fifty-one uh, percent of the money was coming in on the Giants uh, as of yesterday, and and you know obviously forty-nine percent on the Vikings, uh, and that's the money that that's being bet on the spread. So that you know this kind of is that that Goldilocks line, and it's you know it's three points, so that this could definitely be a push, and I almost see it landing exactly at a push just because the Vikings are incapable of of doing anything other than one score games. For the most part, uh, we we saw this game or this matchup uh, on Christmas Eve, I want to say, and, you know, the Vikings just barely squeaked it out on that one, but you know, what, what's your take here?
2: It's a tough one. Cause, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, Ryan Dable, I think is way ahead of O'Connell. And particularly with O'Connell being, you know, first year guy, as young as he is, uh, I don't want to act like he's he's not maybe going to get better eventually. But right now, I think Dable is way ahead of him. And so uh, that the Vikings might have the more talented roster overall doesn't, you know, reel me in quite the the way that it should, it's quite the way that it should, especially when they're going against an offense. You know, but with Daniel Jones and, and the Giants don't even have any defense. It's like it's it's puzzling that they stay as competitive as they are. They they're doing a great job coaching both sides of the ball. Um uh or at least the secondary is bad on the defense. Their their front like 3 is oddly good. Uh mm-hmm. so anyway, uh, for best ball, uh, playoff best ball, this is a really I think kind of momentous game because either Saquon Barkley advances as a low ADP player in which case, you know, he's he's uh after McCaffrey, I guess you'd say the NFC running back
1: uh, with the h- highest yeah it's yeah, I mean I'm not putting Sanders ahead of him
2: right and, and Dalvin looks a little weird uh but Dalvin too he's he's important in this game if he if good Dalvin all of a sudden shows up and I feel like that's happened before I feel like we've had times where it's like he looks a little slow for a few weeks and then he has a 200 yard game when we're all like oh Dalvin's too hurt to have a big game here um so I, he he could pop up especially because the Giants they're going to have to try to sell out to stop Justin Jefferson. I think they already were last time. I really think last time, uh, whatever, 11 catches for 120 yards and a touchdown, that was probably the best case scenario. That was That's what it looks like when you're doing a great job. So if they don't do a great job or if Jefferson just kind of goes nuts, uh, he can still go nuts. And thus, uh, you know, he's he's also one of the most important questions because if he makes it to the second round, um, you know, he, he could give you – he's probably not getting to the third. I mean, the Vikings just, it, it's, they're basically just Justin Jefferson um, yep. in that offensive line, I guess you might say. Uh, So they're probably not getting to the third round, but we, we've seen him have like peel off a spree of 30 plus point games. And it wouldn't be shocking to me that um, if the Vikings eke this one out, it's because Jefferson went completely insane. You know, like playoff Justin, Justin Jefferson against a defense like this with poor cor- corner personnel, you know, he, he's got to be, if you're going to if you can place a ticket on something like setting the playoff receiving record or whatever like this would be a pretty good one because uh they, they could lose the game and he could still put up a monster number and if they win the game it's probably because he was particularly efficient with his mm-hmm. always high usage so yeah he's 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 going to go nuts in this one probably and it's up to the giants to kind of uh i don't know uh not not let Dalvin also get going is like, maybe the best case you can, maybe the best you can do against the Vikings is to let Jefferson kind of go nuts and hope no one else does anything. But uh, I, I got to go with the Vikings and I was just kind of talking about how much I like Dable and everything. But uh, if Daniel Jones goes through a whole regular season with really low turnover uh, percentage for him, I, I still think that's something you can only hide for so long. And I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of just turns it over a bunch in this game, but his receivers do have the advantage. The Vikings defense is pretty bad in the secondary. If the pass rush doesn't bail them out, they pre- they pretty consistently have issues including against Hodgins and Richie James. The last time these two teams played. So um, definitely don't want to count the giants out, but between, between uh, you know, Jones, I think basically having an unsustainable uh touchdown to turnover ratio and being who he's always been. And uh, even in this good season with Jones, it's, it's been like difficult as it always is. So I, I'll go with the Vikings, but that's mostly just kind of out of a, uh, you know, concern about Jones and, and uh, you know, respect for Jefferson and what, what he can do. But uh, if the, if the giants win, then um, yeah, take one Barkley could be pretty impor- important in best ball because he, he could have a good game here and uh but that, that'd probably be the eagles that they go against yeah so if they go against the eagles uh not a pushover defense by any means but you can imagine a lot of usage getting funneled toward him and their linebackers are not particularly good so yeah that that 230 point game thing i think is an effect for eckler justin jefferson and saquon barkley even though they're all
1: also at risk of losing in the first round and certainly the no, second I, yeah that uh... I like the way that you t- tied those three together and, and you know their importance overall in, in this uh, tournament structure uh, for, for best ball let's say the Giants win on Sunday how does that happen?
2: um I guess it, you could say they slow down Jefferson I just don't think they can so more realistically I, I think they got to find some way to let only Jefferson hurt them you know if he gets 170 yards and three touchdowns, and no one else does a whole lot, you might be able to beat them and you got to get to at least, you know, 24 obviously, but I think the giants can do that. The the Vikings defense kind of overachieved a lot of the year, specifically their corner personnel is pretty weak. Uh, Maybe guys like Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins aren't quite talented enough to stick as starters in the NFL, but they both had big games the last time out Uh, Darius Slayton's speed compels them to stay back. So I think that might happen again, Uh, or if, if the, maybe that's that's how the Giants could win I guess if the Vikings try to roll too much coverage toward Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins and they don't take Slayton seriously enough because Slayton can run right past those guys uh Slayton getting behind the defense is how you get uh, Daniel Jones to have an anomalously high return for his usage so those two things happening and I I think you need at the at least like a customary uh like the uh yeah customary kind of game from Saquon Barkley like if Barkley has a bad game it's like that alone makes it tough for me to imagine how
1: the Giants uh, stay in it yeah because it point, yeah points wise that if if Barkley doesn't have at least one touchdown type of thing like it it's like how are they going to get the rest of, of what he they needs need to get
2: them to scoring range a lot so mm-hmm. if, if he's if he's not getting yardage from scrimmage that's really concerning to me because it's kind of all on Jones and like we know he's not afraid. We know he's he's gonna, you know, take on the moment with everything, but it's like Jones is the guy who's gonna finish his NFL career completing like sixty-three percent of his passes for
1: six point seven yards per pass. It's like
2: those are those are numbers that are bad in the nineties.
1: I just can't get over like the just the the contrast of him like being like a really good runner and it and everything, the kind of like this this wild dude on the field while also just having all the vibes of like a PWC summer intern.
2: But, uh what what is PWC? Sorry. Uh,
1: it's one of like the big accounting firms.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh I, I uh I, I I mean it's a testament to him. I guess he's just tougher than he looks or whatever, crazier than he looks.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. But yeah, just a little straight comment there as, as we wrap up our, our Giants Vikings discussion. Um, let's go. Ravens Bengals. Me personally, Do we have to? I don't know if we don't have to do this for okay, very long. But yeah. uh, I will say though, as, as someone who who is a Ravens fan lifelong, this there couldn't be a worse time slot for the, for this game to be put in. Just bury it in the in the Sunday afternoon window when when people are like still like getting home from church or something, because everyone's going to be settled in to watch the last game of the of the of the weekend. Everyone's going to be on Twitter, and it is. Oh, it's not going to be fun for three hours. It's going to be—it's going to be a bloodbath, pure and simple.
2: Yeah, it's going to be such a bad game that uh, while people are watching it and being on Twitter, they're probably just going to talk about Justin Fields instead or something. Uh, this game is dreary in basically every conceivable way. Um, I mean. Yeah, you got injuries and just discord all over the place on the Ravens offense. And uh, I just, I can't believe the DeMarcus Robinson offense didn't work out. I thought it was looking good there for a while, but now he's down to 6.1 yards per target. Greg Roman still probably thinks he's better than DuVernay. I know DuVernay's been out, but it's like they were, Greg Roman was just setting up all those outside routes for Robinson and wasted it wasted uh Lamar's career so far I hope it's the last season he has a chance to do that however that needs to happen uh hate this Ravens offense the defense is good the defense will show up but um it's it's gonna have to defend short fields uh it might have to it might watch its offense give up points to the to the Bengals so uh yeah I I don't think the Bengals need to do much I think this could be a P Ryan game. I don't, I don't know what the Ravens can really do to defend themselves over a four quarter, uh, you know, sample.
1: Yeah. It's, it's going to be bleak. Um, and I feel like also that I, I feel like the Raven Stevens is a little bit overrated. Um, I, I, I think, think they it's can, been
2: improving though. They've, they've missed, uh, they've had Marcus Williams back for about a month now and Roquan sure. for about a month. And, uh that's really helped they still the problem is what's the the main problem is what's been a problem for like five years now is like they still don't have a pass rush and like if they had the pass rush it'd be a monstrous defense because you can't run on them and if even when you don't have the pass rush getting to you it's still kind of hard to throw on them uh when when the secondary is decently healthy uh but yeah it's like i just I, i just hate the vibes of the ravens i think it's all off now i think they Honestly even Harbaugh should go is how I see it but uh, I understand that people are kind of loathe to ever take that kind of stand especially with Lamar maybe leaving or not knowing what's going on in any case like they're going to want some kind of stability i suppose but i
1: don't see what this is worth it, it just seems like a waste of time to me i was i was ready for Harbaugh to go after the 2017 season the the year before they brought Lamar Jackson in uh but but uh, I'm good with him coaching as long as he wants to. Uh Roman, we have established it is even if he ago. says Greg
2: Roman has to he, you have to be roommates with Greg even even if he
1: says that. that 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 might be a bridge too far for me as far as my my Harbaugh support but um, you know be, beyond that
2: it, Oh, you know what they're going to do? They're going to they're going to say like Greg is going to look for opportunities. He's going to like I don't know, be head coach of New Hampshire or something and then they're going to hire David Shaw.
1: Oh, no. Coordinator. <laughs> Don't do that to me. No, I need the Broncos to make that mistake first. Clock's ticking. All right, all right, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh,
2: yeah, hopefully this game isn't, you know, tr- t- as depressing as it
1: probably can be. Yeah, it... I don't even know, like, what what I want the takeaways to be. Like that, this one it just feels like such a foregone conclusion that it's going to um, feel
2: like punishment, man. It's going to feel like you're like you did something wrong, and this is your punishment. You got to watch this. It's like,
1: I already already got that from the from the travel gods that this week trying to get my <laughs> way back here from from LA. Like enough, enough. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think there there's really much uh, to add on to this one. And then uh, let's wrap up with. Cowboys, Bucks. I, this one, I, I feel like I have the least idea of what, what's going to happen because um, the Buccaneers have been bad all year. They and like they've covered like what, like four games or something. Like they haven't been good. They just you know benefited obviously from winning the NFC South and the, the Cowboys. Like that, you know they they have they've had stretches where they look like one of the best teams in the league. But they never seem to string it together. You never feel confident that, that 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 the team that shows up that looks great is going to be there again uh, the following week. Uh, old Ed Werder had like an interesting stat yesterday about about the Cowboys' performance on, on turf versus grass. Oh no, this he's year. He's,
2: li- he's lifting that from Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett's been pr- prattling about this for weeks. Oh no, um, I okay. Well I, I think me, I then. really think it's just one of those sample size quirks, you know, it's like they play at home on a turf. So it's like I they, agree. They, yeah. They had like a bunch of they're like five big games at home just wreck the whole sample as far as you know what you could glean from the the, the playing surface significance. But uh, I agree, it's tough to tell where this is going just because both teams seem so bad and uh, it's like the, the Buccaneers defense looks good as as the Dallas defense generally looks good too but the Tampa Bay offense has put up eggs against, you know, much weaker defenses than this this year. And other than that Carolina game, Tom Brady has not been able to get it going with Mike Evans, the way a player like Mike Evans is, uh, always should be producing. So I, I kind of doubt they'd really turn some kind of corner or found some new trick in that game, but, you know, touchdown Tim, I guess it's possible. Uh, playoff time comes around and, you know, the supernatural starts to occur. So can't count that out. But if he's playing like he did in the other 16 games, it's hard to see, you know, it's hard to see how they beat like pretty much most of the playoff teams, let alone Dallas. So I don't think Dallas is bad. And I I really feel like, God, it was like three weeks ago that people were kind of, I feel like seriously entertaining. Like Dallas could really take the NFC though, actually. And then like two games, Dallas always plays bad in Washington. I don't remember the last time they played well in Washington. So, like, that, that Washington made them look bad. It, it, I think it's kind of – it's it's people are focusing too much on how bad Washington is and not what that matchup is between those two teams. And uh, I don't know. If you're sh- so shocked by Dallas looking bad against Washington, I think it's just you don't know that much about either team. And mm. um, I think it's people kind of overreacting, especially when people are saying, like, oh, Dak sucks. Like, Dak does not suck. Dak, by the way, is playing on an offense that doesn't give him a whole lot of help. I mean, they don't like those. If it wasn't for Dak being who he is and Ceedee Lamb being as particularly good as he is, people would spend a lot more time noticing like, these other tight ends and receivers suck. These guys suck. They're not good at all. And uh, it's like Dak has to kind of just deal with all that as defenses are gunning for Lamb, and the offensive line is the worst it's been in years. Tyron Smith looks like he might be a problem on the right side. Um, I don't know. It's it's a lot you can imagine either offense kind of just getting kicked in the teeth in this game. And it could be both too. So I don't know. I feel like turnovers are going to get involved. Sacks are probably going to get involved. Tom Brady doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much as Dak, uh, as right. much as I'm, you know, a Dak defender. Uh, but then again, Tom Brady can't make explosive plays that Dak can, especially at this point. So I, I have no leaning, um, but I, I will say I, I don't, find the stuff about like the playing surface or like Dak hate uh I don't find that particularly uh, compelling his arguments
1: okay fair enough um so a- as it stands 55 percent of the money is on the Buccaneers and uh 45 on uh, on the Cowboys so that seems to suggest that you know I think there's an implication from the public that, that uh, touchdown Tom gets it done and actually 66% of the money line handle is indeed on the Buccaneers. Um, So that, that's, that's pretty significant, but
2: I I'm on the Cowboys for this one. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I I can't argue with it. And I can't argue with whatever you were about to say either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it, it, trust me, it's not overly compelling, but I I just feel like this is, this, this is a Buccaneers team that, that, Really isn't very good. They 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 basically are just benefiting from their schedule and also how the NFL does their does their playoffs. Where if you win a division, no matter how bad it is, you get a home playoff game. And I think on balance, this is a much better uh, Dallas team. I don't think that this is that you know what we saw in Week One is really going to be instructive uh, as far as what we're going to see Monday night in this one. And I, I think that the Buccaneers' offensive line is still a problem. So you know Parsons could go crazy in this one. And, and, you know, if that, if that ends up happening and Brady gets a little bit rattled or, or, you know, tries to, or has to get the ball out extremely quickly, which has been, been the case a lot of the time this year, then the field shrinks on itself. And, and all of a sudden, like the Buccaneers can't move the ball at all.
2: Yeah. I, I guess if you really make me pick, I'll say Dallas. I, I think Dak is better than Tom at this point. I think uh, the Tampa Bay defense is probably a little more solid. Uh, certainly it's more healthy than the Dallas defense especially in the secondary, but I don't know. If Tom can't make a play downfield, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I think, I think at some point he will press more than he does. Usually like he, he, he doesn't turn the ball over normally because he's very cautious, but if the game starts to get closer to the end, and if he hasn't made a big play and if the running game isn't bailing him out, otherwise, I do think eventually Tom, just because he he thinks about probabilities and stuff, he'll have the thought occur. It's like, well, if I don't make the play downfield in the next two drives, then we might lose. And it's like, that's when the turnover has to happen because, like, that's what the that's why like all the tension is heading toward. I think like that particular part of the game, um, assuming you know Dallas doesn't just have like a turnover meltdown on the other side.
1: Yeah. So provided that that meltdown does not occur, I, I do feel good-ish about. Uh, Dallas, but but you know it's good to to talk through all the all the scenarios in, in this game. What needs to happen for either side uh, to get the win? Uh, but that's going to wrap things up for us here on this edition of the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back, of course, next week breaking down the NFL divisional round. Cheers! Try Road to Wire today, free for ten days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat.